0: Shalom Mishpochah. Welcome to this week's Kadima Talk, The Power of the Tongue and Communication. Romans 4, verse 17 says this accords with the Tanakh, where it says, I've appointed you to be a father to many nations. Avraham is our father in God's sight because he trusted God as the one who gives life to the dead and calls those things that aren't as though they are. Proverbs 18, 21, The tongue has power over life and death, and those who indulge it must eat its fruit. You eat what you speak. The outcome of your future is a byproduct of what you speak, whether good or bad, blessings or curses, wisdom or foolishness. Based upon scripture, your words can do two things for you, curse you or bless you. Everything you say is technically a declaration. A decree is an expression of kingdom authority. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew 18, verse 18. A decree is an official order, That has the force of law. When we decree something, we're making a declaration that has the weight of kingdom authority behind it. Matthew 12, verses 36 and 37. Moreover, I tell you this on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless, argo in the Greek, useless, idle, careless, barren word they have spoken. For by your own words you'll be acquitted, and by your own words you will be condemned. Let me be specific. With our own grandchildren, even when our children were young, and I hear and see people doing this all the time, we didn't speak words like, oh, she or he likes you. Is that your boyfriend or girlfriend? Oh, you two would make a great couple. These types of statements and words or decrees are planting seeds that the host will often run with, and in reality, they are idle, barren, careless words. James 3, verses 2 through 10 says, For we all stumble in many ways. If someone does not stumble in what he says... He is a mature man who can bridle his whole body. Did you get that? If he doesn't stumble in what he says, and this we're setting the uh, importance and the criticality of communication, not just in the workforce or in the world, but in the body of Messiah. So important what we speak. We have the power to speak life or death. We had the power to speak curses or blessings. So someone who does not stumble in what he says back in James 3 verse 2, He is a mature man who can bridle his whole body. If we put a bit into a horse's mouth to make it obey us, we control its whole body as well. And think of a ship, though it is huge and driven by strong winds, yet the pilot can steer it wherever he wants with just a small rudder. So too the tongue is a tiny part of the body, yet it boasts great things. See how a little fire sets the whole forest ablaze. Yes, the tongue is a fire, a world of wickedness. The tongue is so placed in our body that it defiles every part of it, setting ablaze the whole of our life, and it is set on fire by Gehenan itself. For people have tamed and continue to tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures, but the tongue no one can tame. It is an unstoppable and evil thing, full of death-dealing poison. With it we bless Adonai, the Father, and with it we curse people who were made in the image of God." Out of the same mouth come blessings and cursing. Brothers, it isn't right for things to be this way. It's critical and even mature as a person in the body of Messiah to control our tongue and what we say. Gossip and slander is one of the most heinous crimes experienced in the kingdom of God today. Proverbs 17, verse 27, a knowledgeable person controls his tongue. A discerning person controls his temper. Proverbs 18, verse 7 says a fool's mouth is his ruin. His words are a trap from him. According to dictionary.com, a fool can be defined as a weak-minded person, one who lacks judgment or sense. So according to Proverbs 18, verse seven, the words of a fool, which is a weak-minded person, can bring about their ruin, which is wreak destruction, downfall, mess up, collapse, and defeat. In other words, your mouth can lead to your destruction and defeat. It can lead to poverty, lack, unhappiness, a failed marriage, low self-esteem, and more. When you speak negative and foolishly, Whether playfully or out of anger, what you're actually doing is cursing the blessings God has for you. Your negative speaking not only affects your life, including the circumstances in your life, but it also impacts the lives of others as well. Words and communication are powerful. They are seeds that yield a good or bad harvest depending upon what you speak. Don't let your mouth get in the way of your blessings. God created the world and us with the spoken word. We also have creative power, both positively and negatively, with the words that we speak. True story that occurred about eight years ago involving two couples and a single man who was espousing a false polygamy theology. They all just started fellowshipping together on the weekends. And as uh, Rebetzin often says, it always starts innocently. Then dreams and words begin to come forth. Tongues can be weapons of mass destruction, launching holocausts and wars. Tongues can also be the death of marriages, families, friendships, congregations, careers, hopes, dreams, and understandings, reputations, and governments. But people also live because of something said. So in this situation with these couples, you know, they got into some false prophecies, they did things they shouldn't have done, and they spoke those things that aren't into being. And it was a mess, but people who live because of something said, the tongue could be a tree of life, Proverbs 15, verse 4. Tongues reconcile people and make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, verse 9. Tongues can make marriages sweet, families strong, and congregations healthy. Tongues can give hope to the despairing, advance understanding, and spread the good news. Make your mouth a fountain of life, Proverbs 10, verse 11. Be slow to speak in general, James 1, 19. Encourage more than you critique. Seek opportunities to speak kind tender-hearted words ephesians 432 say something affectionate to a loved one in an unexpected time seek only to speak words that are good for building up that give grace to those who hear ephesians 4:29 be a person whose mouth is full of life, not sowing seeds of death and curses. The power behind communication is uh, revealed in military life in congregations and congregation settings even at work in the Navy we had to repeat back the words that were stated to us explicitly. So if someone said, remove line one, you would say, remove line one, II, I, which means I heard and I understand. The area of communication is where there's a lot of deception and where a lot of deceit comes forth. And we've experienced this in the last 20 years here within ministry. In fact, when I'm gonna bring recourse or correction to somebody, I never do it alone. I always bring a witness who heard exactly what I said. I've had my words twisted and turned. I've had people say I said things that I didn't say because people receive through their experiences and their hurt and their pain. So although you say something, that's not always what they receive. So this tells us how critical communication truly is and that it must be crystal clear between believers, between men and wife, between those you work with, that there could be no misunderstanding. Communication is where we fail at often in leadership. Where there is healthy communication and group motivation, you'll have a higher morale and uh, less personal discipline. Effective communication must consider the needs of who you're speaking to, both group and individuals. To communicate, you have to have someone doing the communication, a means to get it there, either air, airwaves like we're doing here online, and then you've got to have a receiver. And so to communicate, the individual must learn to function as part of a greater team, subordinating their desires and ways for the good of the whole ministry and leadership. It's about sacrifice. It's about We've talked about this just recently in our Kadima talks. I've said this before personally. This wasn't my number one choice. I didn't wake up one day and say, wow, I can't wait to be a rabbi. This would be a really great career choice. God intervened in my life, and I set my dreams and aspirations aside in order to be obedient and submit myself to and follow God. This is critical here through communication that you can communicate what you need to do to the team, to the ministry, to the congregation, and that everyone learns to function together and to be ahad, to be one, to be united. This isn't popular today or employed often. Most today are too selfish to sacrifice for the greater good in the group. I've said this before, and this may sound mean, but I'm not sure that contemporary America today could do what we did in the 40s in a world war with two fronts fighting, two superpowers, not because I don't think we have the, the strength and the military ability to do it. I don't think people today are willing to sacrifice for the greater good of the nation. I can't imagine today's people sacrificing sugar, sacrificing movies, sacrificing internet, sacrificing tires or gasoline. We're such a selfish society today that I'm not sure we could actually do what we've done in past generations. A congregation is more like an organism than a machine. Why? Because it's made up of people. The efficiency is determined as much by our spiritual and emotional state as by our giftings and abilities. Remember, the reward given to the loyal and committed uh, must be developed and groomed. We're working for rewards in heaven, storing up treasure in heaven, not of this earth. Communication requires interaction and relationship that conveys to other people that A, you care about them that B, you appreciate them, C, that you respect them, and D, you'd want their input. You want them to communicate back, even if it's used or not, there should be an air of freedom to give ideas and uh, and be able to communicate through this. We see this in John's final years of teaching that emphasized on loving one another. He knew that love among the brethren was critical when he was at a time of great division and they were threatened from the Roman Empire. In group communication, we have to continually do this day-to-day, uh, in formal meetings and informal meetings. It's the advantage of building esprit de corps. And esprit de corps is a sense of unity and pride within a group, not unhealthy pride, but pride and ownership that we're working together, striving together to see the tenets of the kingdom of God expand upon this earth and the souls get saved. So when we do this, there's benefits to this. Communication promotes a sense of being part of the team. Everyone who works in a ministry needs a or deserves a sense of belonging that I'm part of this family, that I'm part of the team. We're doing this together because we're all working for the same cause, for the kingdom of God and unity as one. Genesis eleven, verse six says, Adam and I said, Look, the people are united. They all have a single language, and see what they're starting to do at this rate. Nothing they set out to accomplish will be impossible for them. And, of course, this is speaking about the Tower of Babel. Unity gave them tremendous power and ability, but they did it for the wrong purposes. And in order to stop this, what did God do? But he gave them all separate tongues. This is fascinating. This is why this is so important. Communication was the key in getting this tower built almost up to the heavens. But in order to stop this, Adonai intervened and confused the languages and communication. The inability to communicate stopped it. It brought it to an end. We have to communicate with the right people for the right purposes. In Titus 3 verse 10, it says, warn a divisive person once, then a second time, and after that have nothing to do with him. There's danger outside and away from the group. A good friend of mine and a mentor, Sid Roth, told me over 20 years ago, be wary of the person or persons not submitted under authority, congregationally or individually, such as speakers, evangelists, and and I'm always leery when someone says, oh, I'm just doing my own thing. I'm not here in the kingdom. We're all accountable in one way or the other, and we must be in a unified place where that's communicated, where there's accountability for our actions, accountability for what we do, accountability for our righteousness and holiness. We are accountable one to another. There's no lone wolves out there in the kingdom of God. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says he who separates himself indulges his desires and shows contempt for a sound advice of any kind this is why we must not forego the gathering together in congregations as it says in Hebrews and this is really prevalent today people get hurt they they're they're bruised their spirits are bruised in a congregation somewhere and they become a recluse in their own home and there's listen there's nothing wrong with studying your Bible at home. But there's a problem in not coming together in a congregational setting because this is where communication and fellowship happens. And as it says in Proverbs 18 verse 1, he who separates himself indulges their own desires and shows contempt for sound advice of any kind. Good communication clearly conveys goals and directions. People strive and work better together together when they know the goal that they are working towards. What are we here for? There has to be a clear, concise vision within the congregation. And and I've said this before. We've talked about vision before. More than one vision is division. And so there can't be multiple visions, there can't be multiple leaders, there's got to be one leader, one vision, and it must reconcile to and be in alignment with the Word of God. In group meetings, vision, missions, and goals must be clearly communicated. We do this in our membership classes, we do this with the staff, we do this in our own uh, leadership training here, by reaffirming our goals and visions, each member, each staff member has a fresh sense of that vision and incentive why we are doing what we do. And so, what's the difference between a mission statement and a vision statement? Well, a mission statement concerns what the organization is all about. A vision statement is what that organization wants to become. And so, this is this is listen to me for a second. This is a very critical point. We don't teach loyalty. To mission and vision statements because those statements will change over time as you grow and, and, and expand your borders. We teach loyalty to leadership, that you will trust your leadership that when the vision and mission statement changes, they will come with you because they understand where you're at. It's been clearly communicated to them.